You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, It's been a while since we've checked in with my old college roommate, Rick Santorum, or as my colleague at The Stranger, Paul Constant, has dubbed him the butt-sex-obsessed Jesus wizard, Rick Santorum. He was at a Christian college last week in Iowa where he is funding for president. And uh, he was asked a question by a student at this Christian college who said, uh, and I'm quoting from the CNN article about the confrontation, God is very angry at societies that don't care for the poor, student Ryan Walters began. If not for our social programs, how can we as a society care for our poor? Now, interestingly enough, Rick Santorum's first response was shock that someone who went to a Christian college would be asking him this question at all. You go to Dort College and you ask me that question, Rick Santorum said, because no one who goes to a Christian college is expected to give a flying fuck about the poor in Rick Santorum's Jesus Wizard Land. Uh, but anyway, what I thought was really interesting about this exchange uh, isn't what everybody else jumped on. Uh, the student pointed out that he said that 50 to 100,000 Americans are dying every year due to lack of health care. And Rick Santorum said that is absolutely not true. Uh, the kid said it was statistical evidence and Rick Santorum said people don't, quote, get statistical evidence from thin air. Santorum demanded to know what study the kid was citing. He couldn't remember it off the top of his head. It's actually a Harvard study that found that 45,000 Americans die every year for lack of access to health care, including people die of freaking toothaches. There's a case where an 11-year-old kid died of a fucking toothache because his family couldn't afford to take him to the goddamn dentist and couldn't afford to get him the antibiotics he needed. Died of a fucking toothache here in America, where we are pro-life so long as you are jammed in your mother's uterus. The mistake that 11-year-old's family made, they should have put that kid back in his mother's uterus and then gone to the Republicans in Congress and asked if they gave a shit about this 11-year-old fetus. Maybe then they would have provided some health care. Anyway, I digress. Santorum said that it wasn't true that no Americans are dying for lack of access to health care. It should have in a just world or a world where Santorum had any chance of becoming president. It would have been his Bachman HPV causes retardation gaffe. But – and some people pointed to it. It became a little thing. But it didn't rise to the level of that gaffe. What I thought was much more interesting and much more revealing was Santorum's answer to this kid. You know, We as a society shouldn't be providing health care or taking care of the poor. Uh, the candidate turned to the audience. I'm quoting again from the CNN report. And asked who they think should be responsible for helping the poor. And he got the answer he was looking for. It is up to each individual. So basically what Rick Santorum is saying is that we as a society shouldn't take collective action to aid the poor. Food stamps, uh, health care for all, uh, assistance to uh, families uh, in times of crisis, uh, school lunch program. None of this shit should exist. It should be up to individuals and we should just give. And if we don't give, uh, Jesus wizards will show up on Christmas Eve, you know, past, present, future and teach us a lesson and then we'll fucking give. What's interesting though and what I think so much a challenge Rick Santorum on, if anyone out there is listening who happens to be a reporter and I know some reporters do listen to the podcast, is – he believes that when it comes to things like taking care of the poor, that we should not take collective action 
as a society. But when it comes to things like preventing women from terminating an unplanned pregnancy, we should take collective action as a society. Then we need armed guards at the entrance to every uterus to make sure that nothing's removed from that uterus before it's time. When it comes to preventing people from marrying the person that they love, then we can take collective action as a society. There seems to be a disconnect for Rick Santorum about when we, when we can and cannot take collective action as a society, preventing people from getting access to birth control. Rick Santorum has said that birth control should not be available, that people should not use it. And you know damn well that those Christianists, if they ever take power, are going to ban birth control. They will take collective action to prevent you from accessing birth control. They took collective action to try to stop the HPV vaccine from coming online. So collective action is okay. If it means enslaving women, if it means preventing people from accessing birth control, if it means preventing people from marrying, collective action, not okay when it comes to providing health care for all Americans or providing services to the poor. Don't understand the disconnect. I don't. That if it's up to the individual to aid the poor, why is it not up to the individual to decide whether she wants to terminate a pregnancy up to the individual and then the indiv other individuals in her life can try to persuade her. But Rick Santorum wants the state to collect taxes and to fund police forces and prosecutors to run out there and arrest and prosecute people who have abortions, people who provide birth control to people who need it, people who want it. Anyway, Rick Santorum – Butt-sex-obsessed Jesus wizard. Uh, still in the debates for some reason. Still scraping along at the bottom of the polls. And uh, shout out to whoever it was at realclearpolitics.com where they have the poll of polls and they have a tracking poll where you can go and you can look at the day-to-day. -day. They, they follow it. They have a chart. And uh, Rick Santorum's line on that graph, Bachman is pink and Gingrich is green and Santorum's line is brown. I don't think it's a coincidence. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus three adult DVDs plus an extra gift plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. So, uh, let's see. I'm 25. Uh, I've been dating this girl for, I don't know, about nine months or so. And so yesterday was her birthday. I brought her flowers in the morning. I was kind of waiting outside her place with a little red rose and a gift. Um, and before that, I actually stopped her to work to drop off some flowers at her job as well. So when she got to work, you know, she'd have some flowers. Um, and I talked to her boss a little while, asked if, you know, they did anything for her birthday. And they said, oh, no, not really. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> Also, at one point during the day, I uh, I kind of really put myself out there and and told her that I loved her and, and knowing full well that I wasn't gonna get that back from her because she's just not the kind of girl who's going to have a hard time kind of showing her emotions and I knew that going in and I was totally fine with it. I even talked it over with one of uh, friends of hers who I know pretty well and you know knowing that I wasn't gonna get that back was totally all right with that. Like I just had to put that out there finally. Um, and so I had a really good day overall yesterday. It was just an amazing day. Um, and then later on in the night, I get to her place, and, um, you know, the flowers that I gave her are there, and also a big bouquet. What she said was from uh, everyone at work. Even though everyone at work I know I, who I talked to in the morning said they weren't doing anything for her birthday. 
so I kind of confronted her about it. Turns out it was from an ex-boyfriend of hers who, I guess, sends her flowers every year for her birthday. And the reason she says that she didn't tell me because she knew it was going to bug me, which obviously it did because here I am talking to your answering machine. <sighs> and it does. It bugs the living shit out of me. Um, and I wouldn't care if, you know, if it was just like a call saying, oh, happy birthday from the ex-boyfriend or a letter or a card or something. But when it's flowers and it's flowers every single year and they've been broken up for like four or five years and it just bugs the shit out of me. And now every single time that I, like this morning when I saw those flowers sitting there, that's just proof staring me in the face that some guy out there in my mind still wants to be with her and still hasn't gotten over her. And I think that she needs to just nip it in the butt and tell this guy, like, I think she's basically dragging him along by letting him still send her flowers every year for her birthday. I don't know. It bugs the living shit out of me. I don't know if I'm just overreacting and just being crazy and and not being understanding that she has somebody out there who she's had in her life since kindergarten and they've been friends forever. And, and I don't know. So I, I just basically am wondering if I'm just being like a totally jealous piece of shit and being like blowing this way out of proportion or if if I have a right to be a little pissed off and a little bugged out about it. This guy has been a part of her life since kindergarten. These flowers aren't just about the years that they were together as a couple. These flowers are about their lifelong connection. At a year, you don't want to push the issue. You don't want to force her into a position where she feels that she has to choose between you, some dude she's been fucking around with for less than a year, some dude that she does not yet feel strongly enough about to say, I love you back. You don't want to put her in a position of feeling like she has to choose between you and this other guy that she used to date and doesn't date anymore. They're not together for probably very good reasons. Yet they've salvaged a friendship and there's still intimacy and uh, affection there. If you put her in a position where she feels she has to choose between you and this guy that she's known since kindergarten, she is not going to choose you. Chill the fuck out about the flowers. They've known each other since they were five fucking years old. How long did they go out? You need to amateurize the flowers across all of those years. So only a tiny percentage of the flowers are about the years that they were dating. They're, they're a gesture from a loving friend uh, and an ex. And you need to prove to her that you're worthy. One of the ways you're going to prove to her that you're mature enough and secure enough and worthy enough of getting that I love you back is not being a crybaby fucking piss-soaked diaper douchebag about this. Who doesn't like to get goddamn flowers on their birthday? Who doesn't like a, a thoughtful gesture from a friend, even an ex? And you say that, you know... You don't want her to let him send her flowers. Flowers aren't opt-in. He can send her flowers whether you like it or not. He can send her flowers whether she likes it or not. And I don't think that she should ask him to stop. And I bet that she does something nice every year. I hope she does something nice every year to acknowledge his birthday in return. So what you have to realize is if you're going to be with this girl, she has a bond with this person that isn't competition. It's something that's going to exist concurrently with her bond with you if you guys do wind up together. And let me tell you, the odds of you winding up together grow slimmer and slimmer with each stink eye you shoot at those flowers that she sees. So knock it the fuck off. The flowers are from an old friend, an old friend that she fucked for a while. 
but who's been friends for lots longer. I think it's wonderful that she has this kind of relationship with her ex. And I think it would be wonderful if her current wasn't so insecure and could just accept the flowers uh, for what they actually are. A loving gesture, not competition. Um, hi, Dan. I love your show, and I've been reading your column for nine years now. I'm a straight GGG gal. Um, I'm with a great GGG guy, and we've been together for four years, and we have a great sex life. Only thing is, we've been always interested in playing with his cum in and around my vagina, but we don't want to risk pregnancy, and he's pretty paranoid. Up until recently, I was on hormonal birth control, and even then, um, he would only come inside maybe twice a year. Um, so those tables are soon to change because we feel like we're start ready um, to start trying to have a baby, hence why I'm off, off birth control now. So we've been using condoms since I went off, and we're soon going to be going completely without. Um, my question is this. Um, we both love the idea of me getting cum like, all over me. However, we're happily monogamous. Neither of us want another man's cum anywhere near me. So more specifically, we want me to be covered in his cum. And part of the turn-on is, for me, is for it to be viable sperm, not um, dead semen saved from a condom in the trash from two weeks ago or something yucky like that. So my question is, how can we preserve his semen from his jerk-off sessions for use and play later on? Um, I have tried to look it up, but it's been hard to find anything that says what temperature and what type of container is best to use. And all I found out is that the container ought to be airtight because the sperm don't like oxygen. Thanks so much, Dan. Every once in a while, the tech savvy at risk youth like to slip in a question that I'm not expecting just to see the look on my face when I realize that I don't know fucking what to tell this person. Uh, I have no fucking idea. I, I do know that when they freeze cum, and uh, presumably you don't want him on the other side of the room pelting you with cum cubes, but when they freeze cum, uh, they have to separate it. They separate it out of the sperm. You know, the, 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 the seminal fluid is very unstable. Anybody who's ever watched uh, somebody's load slowly separate and run off the sides of their body uh, after they blow a load on their stomach knows that that stuff isn't long for this world. So I really don't think there's any way for you to you know fill a 50-gallon drum with this shit and jump inside. Uh, you are just probably going to have to satisfy yourself with fantasy play or perhaps he could blow a load into some inert substance, stir it up and then drench you with that and you can know – in your heart of hearts, that there are some viable swimmers everywhere all over your body. Or you can get a little paintbrush and spread a very thin film all over your body of his junk. Uh, but I'm afraid I have no further uh, information for you. Uh, if anybody out there knows how you make a vat of shit out of one person's dick that he can then dump all over his uh, beloved, give us a call. Give us your info. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm calling from beautiful Portland, Oregon. I have a question for you. Um, my boyfriend and I have been together for a little over a year and a half, and I love him very much. The problem is that 
in the beginning of our relationship, there was a little bit of cheating because we hadn't set boundaries for that yet. And we we realized we wanted to be monogamous, so that was what we um, said we were going to do with each other. But the problem is that for the past, since May, it's December now, so since last April or May, actually, it's like last spring, he's been going online and... At first, he was going on Craigslist and Adam for Adam, all that stuff, and hooking up with people. And um, my friends kept telling me they saw him on online dating sites, and I kept defending him and saying, no, he's not. We're monogamous. But then I found out that he had been going on those websites and hooking up with people. And um, I found out by looking on his computer and his phone, which, you know, I guess I get what I looked for. But um, then... I confronted him about it, and he promised me he wasn't going to do it anymore. And so, you know, I decided, you know, I'd give him a chance. And then the next month, I found more stuff, uh, exchanging pictures and emails about hooking up and various, you know, sex positions, things people do when they're planning an internet hookup. And I confronted him about it, and stupid me, I gave him another chance. And literally month after month since last April, I have found on his computer or his phone picture and message exchanges with guys from mostly Craigslist from ads that my boyfriend has posted about wanting to, you know, meet up with guys. And he, each month I find more and it's becoming more and more frequent, like every other week, things like that. And he swears that he's not hooking up with them, that he's just, it just turns them on. And, that he likes the the exchange and he likes the thrill from it. And I keep letting him know that, A, it's making me feel bad about myself because I don't like the idea of my boyfriend having that sort of exchange with somebody else. You know, I totally encourage him to look at porn. And, I mean, I'll look at porn with him or he can look at it by himself. I hope he does all the time. And, I mean, I even understand looking at those websites just to see the pictures of the guys, sure, whatever, but sharing the messages and sharing the pictures and giving his address and sending face pictures, not knowing who the other guys are, my friends are right. They have seen him on these websites. They've probably once or twice gotten pictures from him, you know? Just the constant lying, I just don't know what I should do. Like, I really, really care. I really love him, but I don't know what to do. In answer to your question, in answer to one of your questions, is this normal? Yeah, it's normal. It's normal for someone who's relatively young. Uh, I don't know how young you are. You sound relatively young. (laughs) Relative to me, everyone is young now. Uh, To give somebody the benefit of the doubt long after that person proved themselves unworthy of that benefit. It is normal for someone uh, to love not wisely. Uh, But, well, it is normal for someone to get burned in a relationship. Uh, All that's happened now to you, and that's that's normal. Uh, It's normal sometimes for us to, blinded by love, alienate our friends who are, as you said, trying to get your back, trying to look out for you, trying to warn you, uh, and to double down on a bad relationship. That's what you've done. Uh, It's now time – for another normal thing to happen. It's time for you to dump this motherfucker already and leave and move out or ask him to move out, get a roommate, 
Uh, move in with somebody. It's you got to pull the fucking trigger. Uh, this guy is, you know, I, everyone knows I'm not a huge proponent of monogamy. So uh, it's not that he wants to be with more than one person at a time that I think is problematic. It's that he's a lying sack of shit who has abused you emotionally and is telling you the most transparent lies. And because you don't want to think ill of him uh, because that reflects badly on you and your judgment and what you have invested in this relationship thus far. Uh, you aren't seeing this for what it is. You're being lied to. You're being misled. The fact that you think he isn't hooking up with these guys is really the last scrap of denial that you're in. He is hooking up with these guys. You say you're worried you know, that he's being rude to these other guys just by leading them on and giving them his face pic and your address and his phone number. He is fucking these guys and then lying to you about it. He's a lying sack of shit. He's a cheating piece of shit. Maybe being dumped by you. Hopefully he has some affections for you that are, that are honest and real and maybe losing you is going to help him – wake up to the fact that he can't treat people like this and keep them in his life indefinitely uh, and that if he isn't the one man at a time kind of man, he needs to get into an honest non-monogamous relationship and an ethical one and not find a guy who wants monogamy that he loves and tell that guy that he'll give him monogamy and he'll do it for him and then just fuck around on that guy and lie to him and humiliate that guy in the eyes of all of his friends who are seeing him online soliciting other sex partners. Just – you just listened to your call, right? You just listened again before you could get to me to everything that you told me. You know what you have to do. You have to dump this motherfucker already. You are being lied to by him uh, and now also uh, by yourself. You've been lying to yourself all along. You're not an idiot. You're smart enough to work a telephone. You are smart enough to see through the bullshit. He gave his address to guys. People who there's a lot of fakers. There are a lot of pit collectors and people just fantasizing and beating off online who are just flirting because it turns them on. Uh, just like people sometimes go to bars and clubs to hang out and you know, somebody will buy them a drink and they'll flirt and they'll go home to their partner and they just needed that energy. There are guys online who are seeking that energy, that erotic energy, that erotic attention, who have no intention uh, to cheat. Your boyfriend ain't one of those guys. Those guys don't give out their home address. They don't. Don't be an idiot. You need to dump this motherfucker already. You'll be glad that you did. You need to call your friends and apologize to them. You need to call your friends and thank them because you finally come around. You finally see what they were doing, that they were telling you the truth and you feel like a huge fool because you gave this guy too many opportunities because you were blinded by love. Uh, and you and tell your friends you appreciate what they did, what they tried to do for you, and you should have listened to them sooner. And if you say that to those people that you've alienated yourself from, they will instantly welcome you back into their life because they had your best interests at heart and they just want what's best for you. And this guy ain't it. So dump this motherfucker. Call your friends. Apologize. Move out if you must, if you have to. Just do it. Just pull the fucking trigger. Get the fuck out of there. Hi, Dan. I'm a 21-year-old straight girl from the Twin Cities area, and recently I've gotten into the idea of conquest. More specifically, when I meet guys I want to fuck, I put their names on a list, 
can sort of systematically go through that list, seduce them, and when I fuck them, check them off. Um, I really get off on this. It makes me feel more like a predator stalking her prey. I don't know, that I'm actively seeking out and seducing men rather than batting my eyelashes and waiting to see who comes up to me. And also, I'm sort of a goal-oriented person, so this list thing, I mean, you could see how it would be satisfying. Um, But I was talking to my best friend about it, and she said that this behavior was objectifying to men. And I kind of think it's not. I mean, most guys seem to be into the whole hookup, like cuddling cuddling in the morning, no numbers exchanged etc. and then moving on to the next partner, but I have done some assholeish things in the past without realizing that it was assholeish. So I'm wondering, is what I'm doing objectifying to men? Am I wrong putting them on this list and then just thinking them of some as something to check off? Your advice would be great. It may be wrong, but you know, so long as you're not lying to, misleading, allowing these guys to make assumptions that may be reasonable but that are untrue. I don't think that there's a lot of straight guys out there who are going to object to being on your list uh, and being objectified in this way. Uh, It does seem a little predatory. That's not always bad. Uh, Unlike the gazelle, (laughs) there are a lot of guys out there who want to be preyed on in just this sort of way uh, who might want to have – NSA sex, so long as you are not, again, lying to, misleading, as long as your seduction technique, as long as your game isn't convincing these guys who are Mormon virgins on their missions that you are interested in Mormonism and being their wives or sister wives or whatever the fuck uh, in order to get into their pants, then I think it's all fair game. You're 21 years old. You're living it up. You're out there. You're sampling the wares. It's behavior that's atypical for young ladies. I've heard from and spoken to many men who have similar checklists who keep a list and women don't like it when they hear about it. Women think it makes them feel a little bit like objects, like merchandise makes them feel commodified. Uh, But there are a lot of guys out there who I'm sure uh, wouldn't mind being on your list, being in your bed and would appreciate the NSA sex. So have at it. Enjoy. Be careful you don't lose your soul in the process. You know, what's cute and fun when you're 21 is – tragic and pathetic when you're 51. So uh, enjoy. Enjoy your list. Check those names off. Make sure only guys who want what you are after, only those guys' names wind up on your list and you're not lying to anybody or abusing anybody or misleading anybody and enjoy. Hi, Dan. My name is Anne. I'm a 33-year-old GGG self-identified straight woman. Recently, I had prepared a wild mushroom sage and brown butter pasta dish for a man I was dating. Um, so after wine and dinner, we started to get freaky, and it ended up with him coming in my mouth. Um, usually I'm the type of girl who swallows, but when he came, I noticed that something abnormal um, yeah, was in his cum, like a large chunk of something, uh, like his cum had coagulated. So I kind of spit it in my hand incognito, and I gracefully excused myself and went to the bathroom. Um, when I opened up my hand, I found a large three-quarter of an inch chunk of mushroom. So um, I never told anyone about this until tonight when I told my girlfriends, and they insisted that I call you Dan. So my question is, 
how is this physically possible? Um, and uh, better yet, how could he not feel any pain from um, passing a mushroom? We um, really look forward to your opinion, Dan. And um, if you need the recipe, let me know. Switches and happy holidays. I've been at this a long time. And you don't get a lot of new questions, questions I haven't heard before, things that have never come up. This is a new question. And for that, I thank you. Um, I do, however, wonder if you have the mental capacity that allows you to consent in a meaningful way to sexual activity. A mushroom that he swallowed, that, that, that entered his GI tract, can't sort of magically then – teleport into his prostate, nutsack, cowper's gland, anything that produces a seminal fluid and then jump out of his dick. Uh, or, or maybe it can. Maybe there's some – maybe your boyfriend has some herniated gut thing that dumps into his sack and half of what comes out of his dick when he shoots is lunch. But that seems unlikely. Are you familiar with Occam's razor? It is this idea, you know, it says that simpler explanations are all other things being equal generally better than more complex ones. Do you know how complex an explanation you would need to get the mushroom from his gut to his nut? Very complex. I have a competing theory. You ate the fucking mushroom pasta too. Correct? Correct. Then you gave him a blowjob. At some point during the blowjob, perhaps toward the end of the blowjob, when things were getting more intense, you created a seal around his dick. You were creating suction. At the moment of orgasm, that seal, that suction, and his ejaculate dislodged a piece of mushroom that was stuck in your own fucking teeth. To me, that seems the most obvious explanation, the explanation that Occam's razor points us to, not that a mushroom somehow got from his gut to his nut, but that there was already a mushroom, a piece of mushroom, even a large-ish piece of mushroom in your mouth at the moment the blowjob began. At the end of the blowjob, at precisely that same moment that he ejaculated, that piece of mushroom was dislodged. You found it mixed with his semen. That does not mean that it came into your mouth with his semen. That's my theory. And Occam's razor points to my theory being correct and you being an idiot. And I say that affectionately. I say that in the most sex-positive, idiotic sense of the term. Hi, Dan. Uh, 37-year-old hetero man. Uh, so my situation, I have been involved for the past few months with a married woman, an old friend who I found on Facebook, uh, started seeing again, seemed casual, and then it took a very sudden, sharp right turn into this adulterous relationship. Now, uh, it's something I normally would feel like I would not want to do just because of the ethics, the morality, not to mention the fear of reprisal from a potentially angry husband, and justifiably so. But um, part of this, and I will admit, is... I've had a long period of celibacy before this began, very long, and I'd also had a uh, brush with cancer in the past year and a half, which I'm mostly out of the woods, but they're deep, dark woods, and apparently 
long to get out of. So I've got a law, large, profound anxiety that just kind of lingers. This woman has a very high sex drive compared to her husband. I've asked her point blank and she said she would fuck every single day if she could. Um, she's my age, 37. I'm sure that's part of it. Uh, her husband, she hasn't said directly, but has intimated and in particular, a lot of her compliments to me has some inadequacies in a lot of ways, socially, financially, occupationally, creatively, a number. I mean, there's feels like she does not, not entirely happy with who he is and how things are there. And additionally, she has had nothing but vanilla sex for the entirety of their relationship the past 10 years in which she did not cheat before this. Uh, at least that's the word I have. And she is not an entirely vanilla girl. She's somewhat submissive and likes to be tied up, likes to be spoken to dirty, likes to be spanked, likes a lot of very borderline bondage S&M things that are not that far a cry, but that her husband has not indulged her in or has may not have even been asked. So I'm a little stuck as to what to do here. I enjoy the time I have with her a lot and it's not strictly sexual. There are feelings on both sides, but again, she's no way. She's told me definitively. She does not want to leave her husband or end her marriage. And she feels, I think there's probably a codependency there maybe, but I would at the very least, I feel kind of ethically obligated to see if I can help her figure out what it is that she needs. And if, she's not getting it from me, how to get it from her husband. What, what can I do here to help her? It's my real question, I guess. You say you feel ethically obligated to help her get what she needs. And it sounds like you're helping her right now get what she needs. You're helping her get the sex that she needs that she's not getting at home. She's not getting from her husband. And this sex, this outlet, this you is keeping her sane and helping her stay married. You know, sometimes, you know, earlier in the show, I was condemning some gay dude's boyfriend for cheating so flagrantly and cruelly and being so deceitful. Sometimes, though, you know, a little cheating isn't always the wrong thing or the wrong answer. These people are together for 10 years or 15 years or whatever it was, uh, and their sex life has broken down or it's unsatisfying in a, a way that is irreparable. One or the other or both of them cheating a little bit to get – you know, to scratch itches, to get needs met on the side uh, and this allowing them to stay married isn't necessarily always a bad thing, isn't necessarily always an ethical thing uh, in circumstances like that to be the other person, the other man, the other woman, the other whatever. It would be better I think for everybody if – these two people could acknowledge that this woman and her husband to each other that their marriage isn't about an intense sexual connection. It's about a partnership. Maybe it's about kids. Maybe it's about status. Maybe it's about money. Maybe it's about other shit. And it can be about that other shit and they can release each other from their pledge of sexual exclusivity, that they can each do what they need to do around the edges to stay sane, stay happy and stay together uh, while being discreet and considerate. Not rubbing anybody's nose in it, not per the earlier call, doing it in such a way that all of our friends know and I am humiliated in front of them. So uh, you know, it would be better if they had an honest, non-monogamous commitment 
honest, non-monogamous marriage and that you then fit in to this relationship in a way that didn't leave you feeling, I think, so conflicted and ambivalent about your role and about whether you're being a good guy or a bad guy. You sound like you like to think of yourself as a good guy and right now you're having to think of yourself as a bad guy because you're fucking this guy's wife behind his back. You don't have to keep fucking her if it makes you feel bad. There are other women out there to fuck besides her. Uh, you have leverage. She likes fucking you. You guys have a sexual connection and, and a rapport and you can go to her and say, there's only so much longer I'm going to be able to keep doing this. Uh, I would love to be able to keep seeing you, uh, but I'm feeling like a heel. I feel like I'm harming this person I don't know, your husband, by allowing this to go on. And so I need you to transition your relationship with your husband into a more honest place. Even if it's not specifically, there's this guy. His name is Bob. He ties me up. We fuck the shit out of each other. Just so you know. It doesn't have to be that. But if she can get to a place where she goes, you know, honey, it's never really been for us about great sex and the sexual connection. So, you know, if something happens, if you ever fuck somebody else that you click with, if I ever fuck somebody else I click with, she can leave it like that. Um, I want you to know that that's cool with me uh, and that that doesn't have to mean the end of our marriage. And who knows what her husband will say when she tosses that out on the table. Uh, that you might help her by putting that in her head that she needs to have that conversation with her husband to continue seeing you. You might help her and her husband transition to a much healthier, much happier open and honest and ethical openish or monogamish relationship where there isn't active deceit, where there is an allowance for your existence, where there's sort of consent. Right now there's no consent from the husband for you to be playing this role in his wife's life, in his wife's vagina. And she can get that consent perhaps uh, if you tell her that you have to be moving toward that consent quickly or you're not going to continue to fuck her. Hey, Dan, I got an interesting question for you. It's real quick. I was at a bar the other night with a friend of mine and we're just sitting there talking and very uh, weird guy walks in. Uh, you know, it looks, looks normal to a certain extent, but um, it's still weird. And he, uh, he asked us what kind of shoes we're wearing. You know, look at him weird. And uh, answer his question. He goes, can I see the bottom of your shoe? So I slowly tilt it in his direction, confused, and he immediately jumps off his bar stool, gets on the all four on all fours, and licks the bottom of my shoe. And then gets back into his chair, and that was it. What does that mean? That means the guy's a very kinky foot shoe degradation fetishist. Pick one, pick all three, uh, and that you made his night. Good for you. Uh, some people would argue that you were brutally sexually assaulted in that moment. Uh, I would argue that no, just some freaky fucked up thing happened at a bar with a freaky fucked up guy. Uh, you'll be slower to lift your shoe in future for someone who asks to see the bottom of your shoe. Uh, live and learn. But uh, it just means the guy's a freak and a kinkster. Uh, and I always use freak and kinkster in the sex positive, upbeat way. He's a freaky ass kinkster. I don't think what he did was right. I don't think that that's how, you know, freaky ass kinksters should roll. Uh, but I don't know what kind of bar you were in either. If you were in, you know, a gay SM sort of leathery environment or some like wild and crazy sex party where people are really disinhibited and kind of anything goes. Uh, I wouldn't describe this as a brutal sexual assault. If you were in a confessional in a Catholic church and this happened, 
Uh, I wouldn't be that surprised, but I would describe it as much less okay than if you were at, say, the Eagle in New York or uh, the Cell Block in Chicago. If it was a TGI Fridays, probably not okay. If it was, you know, an office party, probably not okay. If you were at your dad's house and it was Thanksgiving and it was your uncle, not okay, not at all. You know, if it was some like gay leather bar and he was just like a freaky dude, probably okay. Uh, but in answer to your question, what was up with that guy? He was kinky and you made his night. So good for you. Hi, Dan. Um, I was just finished listening to episode 268 and I was uh, wanting to add something to the caller who uh, was talking about pegging. Um, I think it's a pretty uh, relatively normal thing that, you know, uh, hetero couples can engage in. Um, I pegged my husband and it was really hard getting into it at first because he was feeling like maybe, oh, no, I don't want to feel gay or whatever he was concerned about. But then, you know, once I figured out how to stimulate his prostate and, you know, how we could both enjoy it, it turned out to be a really good thing for both of us. But, yeah, there's there's also porn for pegging that he could look at, not just gay porn, so he can just enjoy the idea of having a beautiful woman wanting to fuck him. Um, hi, I'm calling about the caller who found some panties in her boyfriend's belongings. And I just wanted to uh, say, awesome. Um my boyfriend totally into panties, and it's the best fetish ever um, for many reasons. One, because incredibly easy gift-giving. Two, so easy to find something that's seductive and fun to do together. And three, he does my laundry because he loves to do to find panties <laughs> as he's doing the laundry. So um, I think it's a great thing, and I think she should gorge on fun. Hi, Dan. I just wanted to call in support of your rant against crazy women who would use something like findhisporn.com. I am totally fine and totally supportive of my boyfriend watching porn. We've talked about it before. You know, I know that he likes to do some of that stuff. He's a little embarrassed about, you know, me doing it with him or whatever. But um, just this very morning, in fact, and that's why I was compelled to call, I woke up and he was watching some porn on the TV on mute. Um, I pretended to keep sleeping until he was done watching it because he was not masturbating. And then I got up and went to the bathroom. And when I came back, he said, hey, baby, you want to help me fall asleep? And we had an awesome fuck session this very morning as a result of his porn porn watching. Totally in support. (laughs) Keep up the great work. Bye-bye. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a call or question or comment for a future show, please give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. And you can comment on all the podcasts at thestranger.com slash lovecast. You can now follow me. I'm a late adopter. I said I wasn't going to get on Twitter, but now I have come over to the twat side. I am on Twitter. You can follow me at fakedansavage.com. That's real Dan Savage. At Fake Dan Savage on Twitter, please come and follow me. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the now Lucy Free Podcast. Give us a call. Me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.